0: Aloha! This is Jason from Hawaii. Welcome to a special edition of the Comic for Fun and Profit podcast. In this episode, I will be interviewing Michael W. Conrad and Noah Bailey, the creative team of Double Walkers. Now, you know this is a Comicsology Originals digital graphic novel. It came out on July 13th and is on six and it is $6.99 on Comicsology. Now, please note that. Um, Double Walker is for mature readers. Now, before I start the interview, I just want to go over um, a little bit history of um, Michael and Noah's work. So Michael um, is, he's working for DC. He's currently writing Wonder Woman and the Midnighter Backer story in action comics with Becky Clunen. Is that correct, Michael? That uh, is correct, yeah. And then also too, you you also wrote, correct me if I'm wrong, I know you wrote, future state immortal wonder woman
1: you Mm -hmm. uh,
0: you did a short story in superman red and blue number four that's right okay and then also too um on now correct me if i'm wrong because i when i was doing some research you also are doing something called mystery school comics group yeah mystery school
2: comics group is um kind of this umbrella term that uh my partner becky clinton and, and i use um for our self-published works and for making enamel pins patches Mm -hmm. prints it's just kind of like all the stuff that we collectively do mystery school comics group is also kind of like this imagined uh publisher that um is responsible for Double Walker through Comixology originals as well as Noah and I's previous book Tremor Dose mm-hmm. um, Which you'll see print um, in no November of this year through yes. Dark Horse Publishing
0: okay. All right, and then thank you, Michael. Okay, so for Noah now according to Comixology and I quote as an illustrator He has created work for the classics and independent films and literature as well as regular as regularly being featured in art books and periodicals now tremor dose is your first um graphic novel but no i did a little bit of research also too that now correct me if i'm wrong your first published work was in josh baylor's the black hood it and it's an anthology of um, depression and anxiety is that correct it is yeah yeah
3: yeah i did a i did a short comic for yeah josh bayer's uh yeah, an anthology that he put together back in, like, 2015, I think. Oh, okay.
0: Yeah. And then also, too, now, when, um, Conoxology mentioned, like, that, you know, or actually, I'm going to ask, what kind of work do you do, like, quote-unquote, for classic and independent films? You know, are you doing anything currently, like, for any current movie posters, or is it for independent feature films? I'm just going to ask for, like, a little bit more, if you could explain okay. a little bit more.
3: Yeah, so I do, I also do... Um, Uh, film poster commissions so I do a few a year I I would do more but recently I haven't really had a chance like last year I could only do two at the beginning of the year and uh, right now I'm working on two two different film posters it's mostly it's mostly horror films but Mm -hmm. um, I have had some like experimental films um, that I've done posters for and then um, I do I do yeah I do a lot of work for film books commissions for yeah and um i did have a few commissions for um some noir films that ended up actually falling through uh but one of my favorites was out of the past i was going to do a poster for out of the past uh like a big screen printed poster back in uh i think 2018 or something but i might just do that anyways because i love that
0: movie so much <laughs> i'm gonna ask for no just for our listeners um what can you just give give us like the short story of what um, Out of the Past is and when did it come out?
3: Yeah, so it's uh, Robert Mitchum and Kirk Douglas. And um, I'm trying to think of who else is in that movie. Um, it's, 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 I think it's from the f- late 40s. It's a noir film.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, Robert Mitchum plays a character that is, uh, has like kind of a storied past and he's trying to escape it. And um, someone Shows up from out of his past and pulls mm-hmm. him back into it. And it ends tragically, you know, but uh, yeah, it's just an absolute classic and it's from the director who did like cat people. And um, uh, I walked with a zombie, Jacques Tourneur. T- I don't know how to pronounce his no. name, but he's one of my favorite directors. You'd think I'd know how to pronounce his name, but uh, yeah, he's just, it's an incredible movie. So anyone that hasn't seen it, I would definitely recommend
0: it. Wow. That's pretty cool. Okay. Sorry. I'm going to continue on. Noah. Thank you very much. And then, you know, and, and listeners, you know, as Michael has mentioned that, you know, that, um, they've, that, you know, that he and Noah have worked on also tremor dose. That's going to be coming out from dark horse comics and it's going to come out on November 30th. Now for Michael and Noah, did I miss anything, any of your guys, anything in your guys' background?
2: Um, no,
0: I think you're pretty
2: comprehensive. I have I wrote an issue of Doom Patrol that I'm very proud of, uh, so I'll throw that out there. Yes. For fans of Doom Patrol, you can find a in uh, issue five of Weight of the Worlds. Um, Becky and I co-wrote it, and mm-hmm. pe- Becky drew it, which that alone is worth picking it up. Um, also, <clears throat> and this is brand new news. This just got solicited. Uh, coming in Batman issue 115, uh, Becky and I will be co-writing um, some Batgirls backups, which will, which is very exciting for us. We'll see what happens with that, uh, but yeah, we'll be in Batman.
0: Oh, that's pretty cool. Thank you. Yeah, Michael, thank you very much. That's pretty awesome. Now. I- Yes. I have Batman on my pull list at my comic shop. So yeah, I'll be checking that out.
2: Right. Yeah. You won't be able to avoid it. It'll be stuck right in there, whether you like it or not. <laughs>
0: well, it's going to be like the old DC comics back in the seventies where Oh, what was it? I think, you know, whatever they like, they would do like, Oh, um, brave and the Bold, And then they would have the human target as a backup story.
2: Right. Yeah. Well, one of the things about writing these backups, um, to me, it's kind of a—it's a very pure way of telling comic stories because, for way back in the day when books like Superman first started coming out, it wouldn't be a 20-page single story. It was always broken into like eight-page chunks. It would be a couple different stories in mm-hmm. in one book. Um, so when when we're faced with the challenge of telling a story and making it feel worth having read it's it's a challenge to do it in eight pages um even if it's continuing in the next issue or what have you but it's it's challenging and it's exciting to me um double walker is 137 pages Mm -hmm. so by comparison to tell a story that's eight pages versus 137 pages uh, very different tastes very different approaches Mm So yeah, it's, for me, it's just exciting to do
0: different things. That's pretty cool. Um, I'm going to continue on. Um, Where can people find you guys on social media?
2: Oh, I'm easy to find. Uh, I'm always on there. Always Mm -hmm. doom scrolling like the rest of you. Uh, the, The best places to find me would be Instagram or Twitter. Okay. And on both, it's just at Michael W. Conrad, and mm-hmm. I try, I try and uh, I try and be around. You know, if you want to mm-hmm. say hi or send me money or anything
3: like that, uh, I'm I'm there. Okay. How about How about you, Noah? Um, <clears throat> I'm on Instagram at Boyish Death Tribe, and then on Twitter, it's Boyish Death. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, <laughs> that's my handle. I right. I'm sorry. I love like that it handle. Easy.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Thank he wanted, you. he wanted uh, Michael W. Conrad, but I had already used it. So yeah,
3: <laughs> that's so, how we cool. met. Actually, I tried <laughs> yeah. to steal his name. He
2: offered me, he offered me money for it. He's like, "I'll give you two hundred bucks." Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. <laughs> All right. Um, I just wanted to. <laughs> we'll we'll probably touch back on that a little bit. Um. <laughs> Okay. Now, before we start getting into the interview, I also, I want to stop to say, you know, I want to give a big shout out to Pamela um, Horvath. She's the publicity director of Superfan Promotions. So, you know, Pamela, you know, mahalo. Thank you in Hawaiian. Thank you for arranging, you know, this interview. I'm going to ask, did you guys want to add anything to that?
2: Oh, absolutely. Pamela is a, is an unsung hero. Um, she is behind a lot of the books that, that you hear about that you might otherwise miss out on and Pamela has really been out there. Um, you know, double Walker is a boutique book. It's a book that, um, it's not superheroes. It doesn't look like anything else on, Mm -hmm. on the, on the market. It doesn't feel like anything else on the market. And Pamela has gone above and beyond to make sure that the book gets the attention that it deserves. Mm -hmm. And so she definitely deserves part of the credit for the fact that we're number one in the new releases on Comicsology, and have been since the book came out, essentially. And that's that's mind blowing because there's a, many new releases, including things by people with a lot of strength and power in the comics industry. So I'm not sure what Mahalo means. Does that oh, mean thank you?
0: Yes, it does. It's thank you in mind.
2: Mm-hmm. If with your permission, I would like to say mahalo
3: to Pamela as well.
0: No, that's great. Yes, thank
3: you. Yeah, she. she yeah, she's done so incredible work, and she's such a sweet person. And uh, yeah, I'm incredibly thankful to her and the whole team over at Superfan. And uh, yeah, he's he's absolutely right. We we wouldn't be anywhere without without them. So
0: yeah and then i and michael correct me if i'm wrong so again you guys were like in the commentology you guys were number one right when a book came yeah. out still are we're oh. managed, we're managing to hold on to it
2: it's it's wild it's unexpected mm-hmm. um uh yeah i don't i all i can say in response to it is just thank you you know um mm-hmm. we did we did our part we made the best book that we could and we're yes. trying to make sure people know about it but really it's um thank you to everyone who's checking
0: it out yeah no but i I just want to say congratulations you know on that success thank you yeah thank Thank you you very much okay so i'm going to start so where did you guys grow up um
3: i grew up in the quad cities in iowa on -hmm. the border of iowa and illinois um, Mm -hmm. on, on the mississippi a few hours west of chicago um. not not much going on here honestly so just lo- watched a lot of horror films and just films in general growing up that was like my whole childhood really mm-hmm. what Walk- I'd read tons of comics those were you know mm-hmm. that was my entire childhood that's really all I can say about that because it's very boring otherwise so <laughs>
2: yeah. I grew up in a small town as well I grew up in in New Hampshire uh-huh. In in New England, uh, in a small town called Merrimack, which is, I don't know, it's like maybe 45 minutes north of Boston. Mm-hmm. Um, so I grew up feeling like I was close to this major metropolitan area, but it was just out of reach. It wasn't, there was no train, there was no bus, there was no way for me, uh, my parents wouldn't have let me go there anyway. Um, but I, I I knew like, oh, there's a beautiful city right over there full of college students and big ideas and dreams and comic shops and record stores. Uh, but no, I, I was in a small town with a tiny little library, mm-hmm. uh, no movie theater. I think we got a bowling alley when I turned like 12. Mm-hmm. So that was really exciting. Couldn't afford to go to it. Mm-hmm. So I spent, I spent a lot of time in the library. Um, just checking out mythology books and whatever comic books they had, the the, very small library. So limited exposure to a lot of stuff. So I feel like maybe part of the reason why I've continued to love comic books and um, weird movies and stuff like that into my adulthood is because I, I didn't have great access to that kind of thing
0: growing up. No, but actually I was going to say, you know, Michael for you and Noah it it sounds great for you guys because the thing is there's no other distractions around because I mean um you know um you know because Michael for you to be in the library I mean that's you know you know it's great because then you're focusing on you know you know looking through things from Ray Bradbury you know um you know, totally. some classic some classic stuff. And also too, the mythology too, because it, it because and I'll touch upon it a little bit later in when we talk about Double Walker, but I could see the myth the strong mythology, Scottish mythos correct me if I'm wrong, Scottish Scottish mythology in the story, and that's incredible. Yeah, yeah
2: you know in a way it is fortunate to I'm also of a generation that had less distractions. I didn't have easy access to the internet. We owned video games, but the types of video games that we had in, in my youth were like Atari games, yeah, which, which wouldn't command as much attention and commitment yeah. as, as a modern day game that takes 80 yeah. hours to complete. Yeah. Um, I, I think I don't, think those things are bad I don't think that excellent like man there's so much cool tv right now and streaming and all this I don't think those are bad I don't think it's taking away from the imaginations of -hmm. of children I think it everything feeds the imagination Mm -hmm. Uh, for me just the main course of my imagination being fed you you hit the nail on the head Ray Bradbury was a a huge one huge one all, all of that. Any, anyone who was a weirdo in writing, I would gravitate to and cling on to stuff that w- that I shouldn't have been reading at a young uh-huh. age. My, my parents were like, "Yeah, read whatever." Mm-hmm. So I'd be reading Stephen King stuff and learning about things that I probably shouldn't learn about. <laughs> um, and and yeah, absolutely. It's it gave me a love and a passion for all types of writing.
0: Mm-hmm. Just
2: like how you. Noah, you must have spent a lot of time drawing as part of your, your escape from your little town in the same way that I was reading to escape. Oh yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. I, I, my teachers used to tear up my drawings all the time because I wouldn't be paying attention and
0: i just <laughs> draw all through class. <laughs> yeah. No, the other thing to know, what's, I think what's, um, what's really good is um, and I'll get into you know your influences in a bit, but already you've mentioned about your love for classic horror stuff or even noir films like from the 1940s. Um, you, you, f- you know, because I, I like to think myself as a as a as sort of a film buff, but I'm not the film buff where it's. um, Oh, well, I'm the film buff that kind of knows those those key films like Orson Welles. Um, Citizen Kane, you know Seven Samurais, mm-hmm. you, you know that other film that you mentioned about Robert Mitchum and Kirk Douglas. I've never heard of it, but now I'm kind of going. That that sounds pretty cool. And oh yeah, yeah. You know, and then also too, you know, we talked about you know before we started the interview. You talked about you know so, you know the the classic uh, horror movie called The Changeling with um, um, oh,
1: George, George C. C. Scott.
0: Yeah. Yes. You know. So. You know, and it really shows that, you know, you have, it's great that you have this love for um, these these classics. It really is. Oh, and- thank you.
3: Yeah, that's honestly, that's like, I think film is probably my biggest influence um, as far as the way that I compose images. Mm-hmm. I'm always, especially with noir films, I'm, I'm constantly drawing inspiration from those. There's this great movie called The Setup by Robert Weiss he he did uh um west side story and yes. uh yeah and the haunting um but yeah i i mean the 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 lighting effects and the shadows mm-hmm. and the use of black and and you know the foreground mid ground background and uh, like orson wells was was a master of that you know, so i'm constantly drawing inspiration from those mm-hmm. things but
0: yeah so No, but that's great. And like I said, no, I'm going to touch upon that in a little bit. Okay. So, um, no, I'm going to start off with you. Um, because you said that you, did you have a comic shop in your, in your town?
3: Yeah, I I did. Yeah. So across the river, um, in Rock Island, there was a shop called, uh, Tim's Corner when I was growing up and, um, I, I would go in there as often as I could, and yeah. That was just like the, the greatest fun. Cause I mean, it was just a complete mess. There was mm-hmm. no organization whatsoever. Everything. I mean, this place looked like <laughs> it, it, there were just images strewn all over the place and taped to the ceiling and to the walls. And uh, it, it was so fun to just go through all those boxes and find things that looked interesting. And mm-hmm. uh, it, it, yeah, it was it was incredible. But um, that place actually, I guess a few years ago, there was a, a, a jewelry shop next door to it. And they had a propane tank that exploded in there. So the place was destroyed, I guess, blew it off its foundation and almost killed a few people. And uh, yeah, and you know, that place to me was like, I mean, and any comic fans from the Quad Cities would, that's like a staple, you know, that's, that was like, a seminal part of people's youths you know so it's kind of sad that it's no longer
0: there but yeah I loved that place (laughs) so and then Michael I know you said that you know for you basically you know um your your source for the comics were the library I'm gonna ask you know do you remember what was your first LCS shop that you went to that you bought your first comic book yeah I a lot of times, I'll make a
2: joke when people ask me that. Uh, I'll say the flea. I'll say the flea market, uh, because that was that was just where I found comics. Yeah, uh, my parents. Um, it wasn't that they were against comics, but they certainly weren't super supportive of me in the same way that they would with literature. with with a With a novel, they would maybe go out of their way or throw me a few bucks and say, yeah, go pick up the new whatever book with comics. It was a little bit different. They just didn't see that. They didn't think it was, was worth the money. Mm -hmm. Uh, Even, even when comics were like 75 cents a piece. Uh, Mm -hmm. And um, so, yeah, we, we would, if we went to the flea market, one time I found a stack of like teen Titans, and and it was like three bucks for a big stack of them. Mm-hmm. So my parents got that for me. But there was a, a comic shop actually in my childhood, maybe 20 minutes from my house. It's just, I would so rarely get to go there. Mm-hmm. So rarely. Eventually I got a paper route and I would save all my money. and And I would wait all year until that one blessed day when, when mother would drive me to the comic shop and she would wait in the car. She would say, all right, go in, you know, don't be long, 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. And I, I'll have kept this like mental uh, idea of like, Oh, I want to get these comics.
1: Yes. And I I
2: never wrote it down, which was a real mistake because the minute I walked into that shop, I would not be able to remember a single thing that I wanted to get. So I ended up leaving with a bunch of, just kind of random things.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, but I used to love to get uh, anthology stuff or or one shots, one and done. Yes. When you're <clears throat> when you're poor and have limited access, it was mm-hmm. really great to be able to. <clears throat> no, I'll get a, a Tales from the Crypt reprint, and it's mm-hmm. gonna have like five or six stories in it. Or I'll get a What If Spider Man uh, Married Mary Jane or or whatever. Because you know, you know, like, okay, it's one and done. I was so used to picking up a comic and have it be part three of a seven part story and no, I'm never going to be able to track down the rest of this.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: And, and my partner and I make jokes about how that's part of what contributed to us becoming writers is when you're, when you're unable to fill in those gaps with, with the issues themselves uh, you just imagine what happened. Oh, like Silver Surfer ended up beating Galactus in this that, this way or, or what have you. Yeah. Uh, so you learn how to tell stories
0: <clears throat> by not having the story in front yes. of you. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but Michael, I'm going to comment. I understand <clears throat> because I grew up in that time in the 70s because basically I remember... My mom wanted me to try to read more books. I never, because in the seventies, I never read books. You know, um, she, my mom used to read comics, but she didn't want me to read comics because, again, and I'm gonna say probably, probably back then in the seventies, where the stigma was comics were not, it's it's not literature. It's, you know, it, it you know, it, it's it's not a book. It's not a complete book. You know, but. But I but then I'm gonna say that's so cool when you mention your first comic shop was a flea market because those were the best. You know, <laughs> those were the best because you know ten cents for a comic, you Ooh. know, um, you know, and 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 as and as a kid we we just didn't care we didn't care if Wolverine it's the first appearance of Wolverine in Hulk 181 I don't care that guy with these claws popping out of his hands that's so cool yeah yeah
2: i i didn't have that kind of collector mentality yeah Uh, i had i had a a degree of it in that i had a limited number of comics and i wanted to keep them in good condition because i knew you know i own 20 comics i want to i want to be able to reference these things i love to draw images that i would see in there um and i i love that we're talking about how um the reputation of comics is evolving. It is continuing to change. We're seeing, and it's part of it is because of these movies, you know, like everyone's loves the MCU movies. Yes. So then they, they end up reading a comic. Yes. uh, And oftentimes I'm sure they're blown away by how good the comic is and how in certain ways it's better than a film. Mm -hmm. Um, And Beyond that, I mean, our generation are growing up and becoming the future educators. I remember when I was in in English class my senior year, I was in an advanced placement English class, and I had this teacher who was kind of cutting edge, and uh, one of the things that we were assigned to read over the summer leading into senior year was V for Vendetta by Alan Moore, of course, and... And I was like, I can't believe like this is a high school thing. Like, my parents kind of have to buy me this comic. Or, by then, I already owned it. I was yeah. I was working and stuff. But um, so even that was in '97 or '98. Uh, even then, you know, people were starting to come around, and I think here we are in 2021, and yeah. um, and we're seeing uh, comics more. Um, respected and more more seen as something that is not garbage that yes. is quite possibly as good as as literature it's yes.
0: it's art with a big a mm-hmm. yes. um noah before i continue on do you want to add anything to that
3: um <clears throat> well oh i guess yeah you know i guess uh, when i was in high school i I had terrible acne, and I was like so so depressed, you know, and I was scared to talk to people and uh i I remember I would just read comics all day long i wouldn't I would just pretend I wasn't there, you know, mm-hmm. and anywhere I would go, I would bring a handful of comics with me just so that I could disappear you know and uh that that was like the biggest thing that got me through that time was like you know the Sandman and all of anything Alan Moore wrote and anything. Mm-hmm. Grant Morrison, you know? And, uh, yeah, I think, I think that as far as escapism goes for kids, uh, comics are like the greatest, the greatest way to escape, you know? Yes. And, uh, I'm, uh, yeah, it's, it's like life changing stuff, you know, mm-hmm. but I mean, sorry to add a sour
0: note. <laughs> no, no, that's fine. Yeah. Um, before I continue on, I'm this is off the cuff because you guys already mentioned Alan Moore, Grant Morrison. I'm going to ask, have, have any of you guys ever met Neil Gaiman or Grant Morrison? Michael has Michael's met
3: Grant Morrison. They've, they've (laughs) had a, they've had a fun night together. They hung out. (laughs) It's, it's true. So I went to,
2: (laughs) I went to visit friends at at a signing in LA. Mm -hmm. And, um, the friends were my now partner Becky Clunin was signing with Gerard Way when they did uh, True Lives of the Fabulous Killjoys for Dark Horse Comics some years ago, and <clears throat> they were signing with a bunch of other great creators. Mm-hmm. And um, I met up with Becky and, and Gerard and. Uh we've no, I met up with Becky and we walked into the green room and there was a bunch of creators in there and everyone's talking and like having snacks or whatever, getting ready for the signing to happen. And then all of a sudden the place went dead silent. You could hear a pin drop. And I I look over my shoulder at the door, some something powerful has happened to this room to where no one is speaking anymore. <laughs> And I look over and and there he is, it's Gerard Way. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, the rock star, you know, <laughs> singer of My Chemical Romance. Everyone yeah. is showing respect and being quiet. But then I see like behind him is is Grant Morrison who <laughs> isn't scheduled to be there. And I realized like, oh, maybe that's why no one's talking. Yeah. because <laughs> like, the, the great chaos magician himself <laughs> has like entered into the room. <laughs> Slowly people started like murmuring a little bit, but it was yeah. clear like this place is funky now. There's a weird energy in here because everyone's afraid because there's someone that they respect standing in the corner. Yes. So, so I, I turned to grant. I'm a huge grant fan. Uh, and I said, grant uh, I'm not going to ignore this. I am a huge fan and he was like, Oh, thanks. You know, like, and we start laughing, shaking hands, this and that. And all of a sudden the room comes back to life and it's all good. Yeah. We start, you know, just talking a little bit and grants like, Hey, there's a Peewee Herman art show happening next door. You want to go over there and check it out. And so I went over here. It was a Peewee Herman themed art show with all kinds of weird stuff going on and just grant and I walking along talking about books. We like this, that, and the other, we were there for a while, like well <laughs> over an hour. Then all of a sudden these women rolled in a cart uh, full of alcohol. Uh-huh. They said, Hey, would you guys like a drink? They're, I guess the show wasn't open and the, just the powers of grant got us access into there. Uh, so I looked at grant and grant was like, yeah, I'll have one. I rubbed my hands together and said, I will too. So sure enough, we spent more time talking and, and enjoying a couple drinks. And then, uh, just like he came, he came in like a magic man or magic person. I, I, I should be clear grant is non-binary and I, mm-hmm. if I've used the, the male pronoun for him or for, for them, yeah. I, I apologize. Um, he, just just as he what as they were when they showed up, they disappeared just the same. Mm-hmm. Off to get off to get Thai food, and you know I, I hold that memory very dear because because Grant has been such a huge inspiration to me, mm-hmm. uh, particularly uh, their work on Animal Man and Invisibles. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of that early stuff really kind of defined the way that i look at comics and certainly doom patrol that's part of the reason why i had to bring up like oh i wrote an issue of doom patrol oh, that's right. because yeah. because grant uh was was so so important to my childhood yeah that is so I've, cool <laughs> i've never met, i've never met alan i'm friendly with his daughter who's who's uh leah moore she's super talented she's mm-hmm. a she's a great comic writer herself oh, <laughs> um i hope i hope to meet alan at some point here mm-hmm. neil neil i can't even hope to ever meet okay I, th- I think neil is just kind of functioning on such a high level right now that uh i doubt he's gonna be doing any comic cons or anything <laughs> <Yeah. anytime soon. laughs> which would really probably be the only way that i that I
0: met him. Yeah. So I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry, listeners. I didn't mean to, to um, go off the cuff, but Michael, that's such an incredible story. And it it was, it was serendipity. You know, yeah, it's,
2: I'm I'm not the type of person who gets starstruck, um, yeah. mm-hmm. but certainly around Grant, I felt, mm-hmm. um, I felt challenged for a moment. Mm-hmm. Luckily, no, but- luckily they're such, like a sweet person that everything was was gravy yes that I think
0: that's the that's the incredible part is like he he start he you know he responded, well, you know he talked to you, and he goes, "Hey, you want to go see check this Pee you know playoffs or peewee um, art <laughs> show i mean <laughs> yeah <you know.
2: laughs> it was it was surreal. it felt like I was in a in a David
0: Lynch film or something. <laughs> all right so michael i'm sorry so i'm going to continue i'm sorry I, okay so um now i'm going to ask how did you guys how did you, uh, michael so you and noah how did you guys meet
2: we've got very different stories about this
0: uh mine is a lie
2: and noah's is true
0: i, I hear say, the lie
2: <laughs> i say that i stumbled across noah's art uh, as you do when you're online, you're just kind of sniffing around, seeing what's cool. And I believe that I saw Noah's art and I reached out to him and said, we must work together. Mm-hmm. Like, you are creating things that look like they're ripped out of my own dreams mm-hmm. and made manifest. Mm-hmm. Noah claims he
3: reached out to me. Mm-hmm. But like well, I, I say... I didn't reach out to you exactly. Michael used to be a a guest, a frequent guest on forever midnight podcast, which is a horror film podcast Mm -hmm. that I'm a, I'm a huge fan of. And, Mm -hmm. uh, I thought he was hilarious and, um, like just a really bright guy, you know? So I started following him on a bunch of different forms of social media. And so I kind of, you know, put myself in front of him a little bit and, Mm -hmm. uh, but I didn't exactly reach out to him but yeah then he he did reach out to me and uh asked me if I wanted to to uh be join a suicide pact with him and make a comic (laughs) that would make no money and that's what that's what he said to me and uh I said hell yeah Uh that's what I want (laughs) to do
2: I really know I I know how to win him over yeah hey you want to lose a bunch of money (laughs) <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay so we're gonna segue in <laughs> to double walker so um for either one of you guys michael or noah you know what is the premise for um double walker
2: i don't know noah do you want to do you want to feel that or should i oh I,
3: I mean i can attempt to and you yeah, can go for the it. cracks okay um <clears throat> so an american couple who are, uh, they're having their first child. They're going on a, a trip to Scotland as kind of a last hurrah before their lives change. Mm-hmm. And, um, they just kind of want to see all the sights and, uh, and enjoy themselves. And they go to the Scottish Highlands and they go to store and to the old, mm-hmm. old, old man of store. And, um, when they're up there, something tragic happens. And I mean, I'm, I'm doing a terrible job, Michael, you take over. No, you, you,
2: you've you done a great job. I, th- I think that's really what people need to know. It's yeah. people, it. a couple are, are at a point in their life that so many of us get to where you kind of see, it's kind of like seeing the end of your own childhood by seeing like this potential new child coming into your life. Um, so yeah they're they're kind of celebrating this transitional point. A tragedy happens, and the tragedy continues to happen for a lot of pages and mm-hmm. there's there's a mystery, and it that's about all that I really cared to say about that. The mystery <laughs> involves some um, yeah, some of the, the lore of Scotland mm-hmm. and some of the beautiful sites that that are available to be seen if you if you go on a journey such as they did.
0: Yes. Um, and then um, now your main character, now the American couple, the main characters, now correct me if I'm wrong, it's a husband and wife. The husband name is Cully and the wife name is Gemma. That's is that correct?
2: That's right, yeah. And I named, uh, I named Cully after my friend Cully Hamner, who's a fantastic artist. He's worked on a lot of DC comics. And at the time that I named the character Cully, Mm-hmm. Um, I had just really, I had just met him. I moved to Austin a few years ago and he mm-hmm. lives out here. And, um, and I was just, I thought his name was so cool. And I <laughs> thought he was like so sweet and so kind to me to welcome me, uh, into his community. Uh, so I, I wanted to name a character after him and I, at the time I, I guess I didn't think about like how, rough the story was double walker ended up being it's bleak it's dark it's Mm -hmm. and and i had mentioned it to cully hamner early on i said hey would it be okay if i named a character after you and he said oh that would be an honor Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm and now i don't know if he's read double walker yet but i wonder if he would feel good about it (laughs) now now Mm -hmm. that the story is out but um but yeah, Cully Hamner is a great and beautiful person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the similarity is in name alone.
1: Mm-hmm. Cully
2: uh, did that um Superman Red and Blue story with me. We did a bizarro story. And Cully was the artist on that.
0: It's fantastic. <laughs> okay. Um let's see. Um can and let's see, I'm gonna I'm going to continue on the story because I've read the story I'm there I'm not going to spoil it for anyone so I've read Double Walker and one of the things again it, either um either Noah or Michael you know um because it it goes really deep into Scottish legends and folklores so I'm going to ask because one of the key legends I, hopefully I'm not spoiling too much the what is the legend of the old man of store I know that's in the first five pages you know yeah i love that
2: that's the one that we're that we're referencing because i gotta admit that one's a bit of a fabrication um it it may be part of certain elements of lore but the way that we portrayed it in double walker was that so the reason it's called the old man of store is an old man is a it's a term for a giant that was what Scottish folks called giants was just old men or great men. They would be these legendary creatures of gigantic proportions that would fight with each other and, uh, in the, in the ways of men. I, I don't know if it's, if it's part of strictly part of Scottish lore, or if it's something that we kind of expanded on. Um, but in our story, the old man of store is the stone outcropping. I've been there and it's beautiful. And you've seen it. If you've seen, it's in the beginning of uh Prometheus, that alien movie. It's that weird. It's, it's, it's almost like a long egg of stone that comes out of the ground. And a couple other little ridgy bits. Um. So we, we kind of imagined this to be the, the, the body of, of a fallen giant. Mm-hmm. And the, the earth has kind of swallowed it and, and has reclaimed this body and uh, it's been the food source for fairies because they're like a dying breed of these kind of wiggly interdimensional type of beings from another reality. Um, I think some people in, who know more about Scottish legend would say you've made that up that isn't part of our thing and then others would say no I think you're kind of right that is like his toe sticking out of the ground and that's kind of our that was our approach with many of these um, these elements of Scottish lore within the book it's not meant to be necessarily a guidebook uh, to Scottish cultural heritage Mm -hmm. Uh, it's meant to everything's meant to serve the story but yeah we did uh we did so much research we really wanted to get it right we wanted to honor the people of scotland we wanted to honor the stories that are that are a big part of their cultural heritage Mm -hmm. and to honor the land itself Mm -hmm. uh the land is is beautiful 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 (laughs) and i saw somebody recently uh tweeted a review of this where they said i never want to go to scotland after reading this book uh, because it there it was scary and i wanted to reach out to them and say please go to scotland like scotland is great like i don't want to get on on the bad side of scottish folks this is a love letter to that culture to that land Mm -hmm. and to the lore so any liberties that we've taken uh uh please take it with a grain of salt.
0: Um, I'm not again, I'm not gonna spoil anything, but you know, I've read the story. I what I love is the barkeeper and how he tells the story. And the you know whatever the many legends and and I'm sure if you know, if I go to you know, I'm gonna say for you guys you Michael know if you guys come here if you guys go down to one of these you know and not a not one of these famous bars but just a regular town bar or something you know where locals hang out i'm sure you're going to have someone that's going to be going they're going to tell you tales you know of hawaiian folklore and legend and then they're and and as many stories are orally told down the years and even some written ones, it's it's always gonna be, um, not warped, but um, things would be added. Things would be, you know, then their the true intent would be some would be be muddled, you know. Right. That
2: and that's why in every mythology, <clears throat> you'll have a variety of different versions of the same tale. It'll be the story of Hercules and and his labors, and each one, you know, it'll maybe change a little bit. And in some of, like, Hercules' labors, one is, like, he's got a clean, uh, he's got to muck a stall for, like, a giant horse. Yeah. And, you know, the person who put that labor in there, they were like, man, I hate mucking the stall. Yeah. You know, like, it's the worst job of them all. Let's have this demigod have to do that. So, I, yeah, I think in every culture um, with an oral tradition, you see it kind of in different areas like i'm sure in hawaii in different areas there's certain legends that are told just a little bit different maybe highlighting that particular area a little bit more or this particular uh group of people are more important in the story Mm -hmm. a favorite god a favorite spirit takes a (laughs) takes a stronger role
0: but yeah but but um
2: but, yeah. Noah, Noah was really responsible uh, for those, those lore sequences feeling uh, serious and feeling like they had a great merit and value in the hands of a lesser artist. Those would have been such awful scenes. So I, I just got to give Noah his props right now. Mm-hmm. Um, do it, When you're telling fairy stories, there is a huge possibility that you're going to get laughed out of the room because American culture has changed the way that we engage with fairies. Mm-hmm. To We are expecting Tinkerbell, a fairy godmother, like a disney fight, a very safe, wholesome kind of approach to fairy tales. So without Noah creating that visual language and defining the script in a way that was undeniably scary and wasn't, um, and wasn't, at all what one might expect of a fairy story in, in 2021 United States. Uh, that's really a, a, a credit to Noah and the research that he did as well.
0: <clears throat> so I'm gonna ask, so Noah, like off the cuff, so what kind of research did you do like for, um, for you know, the landscape in the book, um, the bar, and basically the bar setting where majority of the story is taking place?
3: Um, so for the for the bar setting, I actually found several Scottish bars. Um, one being in the the town that um, Double Walker is actually based in, but we don't come out and say it. It's Fort Augustus mm-hmm. in in Scotland, and uh, there's a bar in that town that I based based uh the mangled stag pretty heavily off of but i kind of i found several different pubs that i was really into uh aesthetically and i kind of just did my own little thing with them you know but that i loved drawing that whole bar setting that was like such a fun setting you know and that barkeep is my favorite character but uh yeah yeah i loved my my i loved uh the doing the different colors in the bathroom and then that hallway and, Mm -hmm. uh, having, you know, the contrast of that like green and blue Mm -hmm. color scheme and then out in the main bar area, it's like pink and, uh, and yellow, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I used a lot, tons of reference because, uh, yeah, I just really wanted to get everything as close as I could, you know? And, um, yeah, I bought a lot of books, watched mm-hmm. a lot of like YouTube videos of mm-hmm. people walking through, um, the Scottish Highlands and, the uh, driving through Fort Augustus. And, uh, yeah, yeah, that was, it that was the the research is always the, the most fun part, you know, cause I'm, I loved learning so much about Scotland and, uh, I hid a lot of things in there too, like some, some things that I found out like, you know, with the chapter illustrations, that's a reference to some, some Scottish lore and, uh, that's right. Yeah. 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 So, uh, yeah, just things, I mean, that's, yeah, like Michael said, I, we, I think we really wanted it to be like a love letter to these things, you know, and, uh, really like pay respect to it. And, um, yeah, when you're spending all that time researching it, and uh, it's it's difficult not to just throw little things in there, you know. It's mm-hmm. like, ah, you know, for someone who knows, it's like, wow, you know. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> so I'm sorry. I'm going to go. I'm going to step back a little bit. One question I wanted to ask was: so how did how did you? Yeah, I, I know you, uh, Michael. I know you. You may have touched upon it and may have missed it, but how did you guys come up with the story? And like, how long did it take for you guys? To complete the story before bringing it to comicsology. Um.
2: <clears throat> so when our first book came out, uh, Tremordose came mm-hmm. out in. Noah, helped me out. It was it was on like Halloween of two thousand nineteen. Yeah, yeah. Um, I happened to be in Scotland at that time.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I, I was out in. Uh, I was out in the UK. For for a comic book convention called Thought Bubble, it's one of my favorite conventions. Um, and part of what is my favorite about it is that it it gets me into the UK. I mm-hmm. go out there and do that, and then uh, then we usually stay a little bit longer and try and see a few things. And on this particular year, we we were like, let's go to the Isle of Skye. Let's go to like let's go to on what is essentially the journey that Cully and Gemma go on. We, we went to these places. We, we stayed in the town that this thing was based on. We went on the hike up store. We went to Loch Ness. We did all these things and it just kind of sat somewhere in the back of my mind. I I was like, wow, this place is beautiful. I I could live here. Yes. Came back from, uh, came back from there, got together with Noah. We knew that we were going to do another book with Comixology. Uh, We didn't know, we had an, we were going to do something about fungus. We wanted to do, like, I'm really into fungus. Okay. We wanted to do something about fungus. But there was, like, another book happened around that same time that was, like, maybe a little bit close to the idea that, I had originally pitched to Noah, mm-hmm. so I thought it—it it, it was like it, a lightning bolt struck me or something. I was like, "Oh, this this will be the story." I've always been uh, really into the idea of doppelgangers, which is the which is what double walker means. Double walker is a translation of of a of, uh, doppelganger. So I reached out to Noah and I said, "Listen, I know this isn't fungus, but I've got this idea that's really creepy and I want you to believe in me and I want they marketed dose as a horror book and we never really saw it as a horror book. We saw it as just kind of like weird, you know, just like it's just maybe science fiction or something." Uh-huh. And I said to Noah, "You know if if we're going to get marketed as horror, Let's do something truly mean-spirited, something that is brutal and rough.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And Noah said, all right, come up with an idea and make it worth my time.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So I punched up some character descriptions and a rough idea of what I'm looking to do. Mm-hmm. Shot it over to Noah. Noah liked it. So then it was off to the races. I think I wrote it. I, I don't know. Maybe.
3: Look, it took I look like- I think it was like a few months i think it, it, it t- took a while yeah well we had a, we had several drunken nights of discussing the type of thing that we wanted to do in that time too you know and you you told me i remember we walked you walked to my apartment and we walked to bar flies that the bar you know and uh you told me the whole story on the way there and i was like i'm ready for this you know i'll do it yeah so i wrote it in
2: like 25 page chunks which is part of why there are chapter breaks in there mm-hmm. uh, It just felt good for the pacing and also um, we didn't know how it was going to be released we didn't know if we would do it as a graphic novel or as issues or whatever mm-hmm. yes. i would send them over to noah kind of as i was going because we knew exactly what we were meant to achieve. And then I wanted to give Noah all the time that I could to make Mm -hmm. sure that he was able to render these pages however he saw fit.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. Um, And so Noah started working on the first page before the book was even fully written. Mm -hmm. He he had already started. He had done character designs straight away. Started doing a ton of research and and started ripping. Mm -hmm. So Noah, you probably have a much better, I know you kind of kept track of your progress. How long did it take you to uh,
3: do like the principal art for the whole thing? Um, It took me five months to do all of the the physical artwork. And then, um, and that's working every single day. I mean, like I did, I didn't take a day off that entire time. And, uh, and then, after that, it took another two months, I think, to color the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, that, that was just <laughs> – it was it was a blast, though. That was a great time. I had so much fun.
0: Noah, can I just ask – sorry, Mike, I'm going to jump in. No, can I ask, you know, for our listeners who are artists or want to be artists? Um, because I – and let me give some of the references that you – uh, I think some of your influences – Because I watched Comics Watch Episode 74 from um, it's a YouTube podcast from April 9th, 2020. And I know you said now correct me if I'm wrong. Some of your influence on art is like from a Japanese movie called um, okay this is Japanese. Yeah, I'm I'm bad with Japanese (laughs) words. (laughs) Um, Me too. You're also influenced by Charles Adams, the um, Adam's family's, um, um, creator. You're influenced by, correct me if I'm wrong, Orson Welles, the legendary late great Alex Toth and Richard Corbin. And then also to correct me if I'm wrong, Kathy Cullis. Is that another? Colowitz. Kohl- yeah. Oh, Kohl-Witz, okay.
3: <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, those are some of my favorite artists. I think, um, my, 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 I, I look at artwork all day long and I, I just can't have been doing that for my entire life. So my, my interests are constantly evolving, but yeah. I think, um, yeah, Richard Corbin has been a huge influence on me for a, for a really long time. And, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, Orson Welles, um, uh, Fritz Lang. Um, yeah. And uh I think who else mike nichols he did like uh, um who's afraid of virginia wolf and the graduate and uh yeah uh um uh, this illus- disney illustrator named gustav tangren who who was like uh he did a lot of uh, concept concept artwork for pinocchio and for bambi and things like that um yeah yeah those are a few of my influences i yeah it, it just changes all the time honestly. <laughs>
0: Because the other thing, um, and I'm gonna, because um, let me preface this before I ask the question. Because in Double Walker, what I love is that it it seems like there's a different blend of art style in there. Correct me if I'm wrong, because, 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 uh, because, like I've, you know, there's, you know, I see how Kali is drawn, and I see how Gemma is drawn, and I see Gemma is drawn with a strong manga animated style because that that's the thing that stuck out for me and then i know in later in the story there's certain couple close-ups of certain in certain there's certain close-ups i really can see richard corbin's influence in there so i i'm just going to ask like i said i know this is going to sound like a dumb question or i'm repeating myself but can i just ask if you can describe you know what your art style is to our listeners
3: Sure. Yeah. I think, I think that my art style is kind of like, uh, like sometimes it's, I like to do like hyper-realistic paintings, you know, I really enjoy doing that. Like that's one of my favorite things about doing film posters is that I get to do uh, portraits of actors and actresses. And I like like compiling images and creating my own image of a, of a person, you know? So um, I love, you know, if there's a shot where I know I really need to bring some like real life horror to it. And like in, in double Walker, I love to compile reference or take my own reference and kind of like get really into rendering. But other than that, I think, um, I'm a huge fan of this comic of a French uh, comic book artist named Jacques Tardy. And I, I, um, he's a huge influence on the way that I draw figures, especially. And, um, yeah I think that uh it's it's like cartoon realistic i suppose i, I don't know <laughs> um i think you know i think it's i th- I said this at one point and uh I think that it's kind of this weird version of like Robert Crumb mixed with Bill kevitch or something like that
0: but um but I have to say for our listeners you know um you know for double walker y- you know, and like I said, correct me if I'm wrong, but I love it how that, because I saw all the different art styles in there that it it blended well. It mer- it 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 worked, you know. Oh, thank you so much. Oh, yes. Um, you know, um, and also, to, and, and I'll say this because I know we were, you know, I sent you guys emails on setting this up, but after I read Double Walker, one of the panels I love, and it's early on, um, Noah is what I love is the colors and I mentioned it to you already that you know um in one panel in the bar um you you know you kind of sort of like grayed out the barkeeper but you can see the barkeeper and then you have you know Gemma and Cully on you know on I think the barkeeper's left side and then two bar patrons on the right side use a different color scheme on them and the background you still included a background and it's a different color scheme because you're and what i loved about is that you're trying to show where the um the readers to really focus on that's what i i love that scene
3: oh thank you so much yeah that's that's yeah that's all of those shots i was really I, I heavily inspired by Orson Welles and the way that he yeah uh, separates his foreground, mid ground, and background, and then uh-huh. sometimes you know twenty layers on top of that. And I and uh, th- that was like some of the most fun that I had was kind of conceptualizing how to always play with those different layers. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's like that one shot in like one of the early, like first pages of the book where they're they're sitting there talking to Didra at the the um breakfast table yes and the and you're looking through the the you know from the stairs yes yeah yeah i had a lot of fun doing things like that and separating it with different colors and things like that and I, thank you so much for noticing that i appreciate
0: it no but but like i said it, it's it's visually stunning it really is thank you thank you um michael i'm sorry there was one question i wanted to ask i didn't write it down um, in the story, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think it's like one of the inspectors, of course, you know, because they, they kind of sort of, because with all this murder mystery was going on and stuff like that, you know, um, because one of the inspectors thinks that it's some type of one of the, one of the, um, these murders maybe has to be linked to one of the legends Now, one of the inspectors mentioned something about, yes, we used to, back in the old days, we used to do this, this, and this. And he mentions a lottery. My question is, is that a reference to Shirley Jackson's short story, The Lottery? Yeah, I think that's, that's definitely kind of
2: the line of thinking that I wanted people to go into. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it was directly that short story or if it was um, something like what you might see in like wicker man or one of these old kind of pagan right situations where someone must be sacrificed and yes. it's almost like a celebration like hey you get to be the one who is fed to the to the green man or whatever but definitely like it was a deliberate choice to use that term lottery because that short story had such a profound effect on me as a young person that I, and it only seemed like such a bizarre thing because when I think of lottery now, if I'm not, if I'm thinking of it outside of a literary context, I think about like, I don't know, like a bingo hall or some someone spending a bunch of money on Powerball. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's it's like silly and goofy to me Mm -hmm. but then that story is so incredibly serious that um that i wanted that like moment where if you've if you've read that short story and you're familiar with it to feel like oh i now i understand the gravity of this thing that's really cool that she caught that and it's i these are the type of things that like noah and i look for in readers Mm -hmm. so often readers think like Oh, it's our job to critique this piece I'll, I'll have you know as creators we're we're critical of of the reader we're mm-hmm. critical of y'all's ability to get on our level and to and to hang with us and to see the things that we're trying to do whether you love them or hate them yes that is that is for the individual to determine and mm-hmm. bless you you're welcome to your opinion but it's so great and it's so heartening when someone like you will notice the hard work that Noah's done to create mm-hmm. a visual language that shows depth and depth of field and, and things of that nature. And to pick up, you know, a tiny little one word uh, literary reference. That, that means a lot to us. Thank you so much.
0: No, you're, you're welcome. Um, Because I'm gonna say Michael, because for Shirley Jackson's The Lottery for that short story to have an impact on you it shows that it also had an impact on me because i read that short story for my high school english i don't know and and we're talking 40 years ago yeah i've read a bunch of other short stories during that you know in those classes i don't read you know i you know i think (laughs) remember those but you know um but when I saw that, I was like, "Whoa!"
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, that's the power of stories, right? I not every story is going to stick with you for a lifetime, yes. Uh, and it's really neat when something does, and and you don't get to choose the the memories you have. That's like the great lamentable thing about the way that our brains work, right? Is mm-hmm. We can remember something foolish or something painful from our childhood so clearly, yeah. but we can't remember like our mother's face. You know, my mother passed several years ago and I str- I've i struggled to remember like the sound of her voice. But meanwhile, I can remember what my neighbor sounded like when he was making fun of me on the playground. Yeah. We don't get to choose our memories. And uh, I, it's a real testament to the strength of, of a story when a story manages to make the cut in, in the little bit of bandwidth that we have to be able to draw from our memories. And even if it's just the name, even if you don't remember exactly what happened mm-hmm. in the book, The Lottery, you remember an emotion. There's, yeah. like a, there's an emotional response to it. Yes. This thing was weird. This thing harmed me a little bit this thing caused a, a little scar on my brain that is a maybe a good and beautiful thing so uh what a cool what a cool shared thing that we have there and that's the power of of creating something is when you feel that connectivity between we wish uh to feel connected to the people that read our work we wish to feel like this is a shared experience Mm -hmm. we've done a lot of work to make this thing happen and now the reader becomes like the most important component to it one of the most important things i learned in school about reading was we read lord of the rings not lord of the rings lord of the flies different lord book no yes we read lord we read lord of the flies and that the teacher kept talking about this symbolism. The symbolism there's a scene where uh, they're talking about this pink granite. Uh, there's pink granite all over the island. And the teacher said, You know what? That's like a little bit of foreshadowing because, like, one of the kids falls off a thing and his blood goes on the sp- splatters across the granite. That's foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. And I kind of, I being the little Fire brand i was i said i don't think that's the case i think it's just pink granite. Yeah. you know i think and the teacher said it it means what i whatever i whatever i think it means mm-hmm. I mean, uh, interpretation is is an individual thing and yeah. if you can if you feel a certain way and you can validate it uh to yourself then that is what it means whether the writer intended it <laughs> or not
1: Excuse
2: me. Mm-hmm. Um, which is part of the fun with the types of stories that Noah and I like to tell where we leave a little bit of room to dream and a little room to, to figure out how you feel about these characters and and these stories. Um, So we welcome the reader to uh, become an active participant rather than don't just let the story happen to you, Mm -hmm. like happen with it. Think about what it means to you and, and, and write a cool review of it. Yeah. Do that. <laughs> give it five stars and send us money. Put on Goodreads too. Come on, Goodreads. <laughs> Goodreads is we're
0: like we're like leave me alone. Okay, sorry guys. I'm going to continue on um, because I'm going to slowly start wrapping this up. Um, how did you guys assemble your creative team and give a, and give them shout outs too?
2: Yeah, it was, uh, it was easy. It was me and Noah for forever. <clears throat> and that was kind of how we were – that's how we had planned on it being. It, that's how it was with Tremor Dose. It was just the two of us. Uh, we, we didn't have an editor. We didn't have anything. With Double Walker, um, we wanted to bring in a letterer, yes. particularly because we – we were getting a little tight on time, and quite frankly, uh, we both had other things to be doing, and we we also wanted it to be like the highest quality that we could get. Mm-hmm. So we we called up the folks over at Ghost Glyph, mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, Taylor Esposito lettered it um, mm-hmm. with his team, and did an incredible job. Turned it around super fast. Were awesome about us nitpicking and having them go back in and and get things just right. Mm -hmm. Perfect. 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 And then uh, with regard to some of the design work with the book, Mm -hmm. um, we've got this, this friend and he's one of the most creative people and most talented people that we know, uh, Kyle Aarons. So Noah, Noah kind of brokered that one because <clears throat> I said, Noah, like anything with, with regard to the visual quality of this book, I'm leaning on you because he, he Noah's got a visual IQ that I can't touch. <clears throat> so Noah was like, I'm bringing in a ringer and I'll let Noah talk about the
3: process of bringing Kyle in and what Kyle brought to the team. Well, yeah, I mean, honestly, I've been trying to figure out ways to bring Kyle into every single creative thing that I do because Mm -hmm. he's just an absolute genius. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, he and I have been friends for over a decade and we used to live together in Chicago. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, it was just a no brainer to bring him on board. And he also, he he created the, we did a teaser trailer for the book. And um, yes, I saw
0: it. That's right. (laughs)
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he he animated and scored and directed that entire thing. And I mean, um, he's just brilliant, you know, and that's his first time ever animating. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's a fantastic musician. He's like, yeah. So and, you know, so from here on out, he's going to be involved in everything that we do mm-hmm. in some way or another. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to, to being a three piece team from now on, you know. <laughs> yeah, and, and for us, it's
2: it's always been critical to have the relationship be, um, be kind of front and side. Like Noah and I have to trust each other a lot Mm -hmm. with these projects. There's contracts involved and there's money and there's this, that, and the other. And it's so funny because um, we're both always trying to like surrender parts of our money. Mm -hmm. Like we, we will, we'll develop the contract. There will be X amount of money involved and then it'll be between us to, defig- to determine how it gets distributed. And we're both <laughs> always like, I'll, don't worry about me, bud. Like meanwhile eating ramen for dinner every day. Don't worry about me. You just make sure that you're all right. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's, that is what's critical. That is that financial suicide pact that we talked about way back in the day. We're going to agree as two people, Mm -hmm. Noah and myself, that no matter what, we're going to continue making these stories, whether people show up for them, whether Mm -hmm. there's money, whether if we got to print these things ourselves at Kinko's at 2am with borrowed money, that's the way it's going to be. And that is the creative spirit. That is the drive. That is the only reason that these things have been even moderately successful is because we have refused to stop. We've refused to compromise. Mm-hmm. We've refused to do things that we know would probably sell better. Noah's refused to alter his style. Mm-hmm. I've refused. We sent this book to a couple of um, publishers, at least the pitch, mm-hmm. uh, before we decided, like, oh, we're definitely going to go with Comicsology originals again. And one of the notes that we got back was, like, how oh, we're concerned about the pacing of it. Oh, mm-hmm. well, you don't get it like that's the whole thing mm-hmm. that's the whole thing is the pacing yeah. it's meant to be uh something that draws you in and makes you keeps you turning the page because you want to see what's gonna happen if we give you the big thing straight away mm-hmm. you can fold the book in half fold your ipad in half in this case and uh, and you're done this is it's kind of like a um <clears throat> it's like these older movies that Noah likes it's like A24 movies it's you know the the eggers type stuff the Ari Aster type stuff where it's it's horror of a psychological yes. ilk that and that takes some time we got to make you care about these characters and care about their circumstances and then pervert that and change that and make it make it hard to watch what's happening Mm -hmm. and you're stuck you're stuck watching this thing fall apart before you
3: yeah and you know at the beginning when when after he wrote the story we were both we did get a few negative reactions from some some people in certain offices about you know the the content involved Mm -hmm. And we were both like, if they want us to change it, we'll print it ourselves mm-hmm. and we'll do like nice screen printed covers. We'll, you know, it'll be all DIY Yeah, and we don't need a publisher, you know, and we're fully ready to do that at any point, honestly. That's... And I'm hoping that we do more of that at some point, you know?
2: <laughs> yeah, it would be really neat to branch off and be completely independent of any kind of corporate machine, but realistically speaking, comixology has been very very good to us and we're we're really thankful to be part of that platform Absolutely, yes mm-hmm. um yeah it gets a lot of eyes on something that they
0: might miss out on otherwise Yeah, totally i'm gonna because i'm gonna um because i'm gonna mention because i think what's really great um because you know michael as you said you know comics have literally come a long way and we're not just talking about storytelling and so forth. Because Michael, I'm gonna point back, you know, like when you are growing up, you didn't have a comic book shop, you had a library. Noah, you had a comic book shop, you know, you know, close by to you. Nowadays, with comicology, it's whoever has internet, whether it's someone on on a small island of Lanai as part of the Hawaiian chain that you know, that, of course, definitely will not have a comic book store. Majority, if they do have a bookstore there, it'll probably just only carry the big two. You know, to someone that's living in small town, USA, whoever has internet, they have accessibility to comicology. You know, so they get to read, you know, your stories. Um, basically, day of release, which is incredible. That,
2: that is incredible, and it's super heartening because, like, the day after this book was made available, we were getting people from India saying, oh, I love this story. Yeah. People from all over the world. So for us to be able to have that kind of reach overnight, yes. and for many of these people, um, you know, if you've got Amazon Prime, Kindle Unlimited, mm-hmm. or Comixology Unlimited, you get access to this thing for free. Mm-hmm. And you should take advantage of that. And if you don't have access to it for free, it's you know, it's six ninety-nine for 137 pages. You, hard to beat that deal. But you you definitely bring up something that's super important to us, which is if I had something like comixology at my disposal as a young person, uh, there's tons of free content on there. Mm-hmm. There's like you there's a whole free section. Uh, that would have changed my life Mm -hmm. to have access to some stuff for free and to be able to look and see like it's like having a comic shop in your pocket. So in that way, uh, we're so lucky to be part of this thing and that's kind of the direction of comics. We love physical media. You know, we can't wait for the day when we're holding a copy of double Walker and it's and it's right there and you put it on your shelf and you look at it and you say, there is a thing that I have created and I can pick it up and I can pop myself on the head with it if I so see fit. Um, but to be able to exist for a time in the digital space um, where it's like a strange secret to people who don't access comics in that way mm-hmm. um, is kind of exciting. And it's kind of neat too when someone we have heard from a number of people like, I downloaded Comicsology just to check out your thing.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: It's like, cool, like, go explore. Like, see mm-hmm. what else you find on there. Uh, because of, for a lot of these people, it's their first time comic readers. Yes. Because they, they've, seen, they've seen reviews or they've seen interviews with us or something. And they realize, like, oh, this isn't like any comic book I've ever heard of before. Mm-hmm. This looks like that weird, scary movie I watched last year and blah, blah, blah. Go on, check it out. Double walk. Yeah. Comixology.
3: That that was one of my favorite things that someone said in a review was that they couldn't believe that Comixology would put out something this weird as an original, you know, because, and uh, that's why Comixology is so cool because they really do let the creators just do what they want and they're incredibly supportive. And uh, yeah, it's like, yeah, like you said, it's a massive platform where anyone that has Amazon prime can access our book. Mm And uh, I think that it's also grown due to the pandemic and people not being able to go out and buy physical media. I think that the the digital platform has become massive, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, it's just been an absolute blessing in that regard. Yeah. So we hope people, if you're in a town where
2: you don't have a comic shop or you don't have a a shop that offers you a ton of options like here's a here's a weird option here's something yeah here's something that um is going to be unlike the type of things that are that are typically found in your in your lcs and we love local comic shops we we, we don't see a competition between the digital space and uh local comic shops in fact it's been kind of proven uh, that you aren't harming your your comic shop at all by p- occasionally purchasing something off of comicsology, so <clears throat> it's okay. comic sales are are doing really well this year yes um, support your local comic shop, but also support you know noah and I we're just two people with the help of Taylor and and Kyle and mm-hmm. We, we made a thing and we made it with love. And, and the thing that we get to love now is knowing that people are stumbling across this thing or seeking it out and having their minds blown. Maybe being a little damaged by it. That works for us.
0: One other thing I want to add too, I think what's great with, you know, um, with um, Double Walker being released on Comixology first digitally, what's great is, the people that either love digital or, you know, love both digital and hard copies. We can go tell our friends about it. The ones that want, no, no, I I, I only want to, you know, I want something in my hand where I can turn the page, but we can, you know, but we can, uh, you know, tell them this is a good book when it comes out through whatever publisher, pick it up, you know? Right.
3: Yeah, absolutely.
2: Yeah. I think, um, I think sometimes people got to quit telling themselves that there's something mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm a physical guy. I'm a, this guy or that guy. Quit telling quit t- Like, why are you making weird rules for yourself? Like you can go re- read some, read it on your phone, on the toilet. Who cares? <laughs> Check it out. If it connects for you, yes. cool. It doesn't mean that all of a sudden, like now you have to buy all your comics on a digital platform and get a hard drive. And a... Don't worry about it.
0: Mm-hmm. You can
2: just check it out. Like, why? quit being a weirdo. Like, it'll, <laughs> it'll, it'll, it'll get printed one day. And if you still want to own a copy of it where you hold it, and I like the smell of wood pulp or whatever. You can have that moment later. You know For now. I,
3: I think that there is that kind of completest, like uh purest mentality in collecting, you know, because I remember when Blu-rays came out, I looked over at all my DVDs and I was like, I'm gonna keep buying DVDs because <laughs> <laughs> <There you go. laughs> look at all of them, you know, and I and then you know I bought a Blu-ray and I almost had to hide it from my DVD collection <laughs> because it's like right, you know <laughs> But uh, I get that mentality totally. And I think you're right. It is, it's it's kind of an unhealthy mentality because you are kind of creating these boundaries for yourself that are unnecessary, you know. And there's that compulsive kind of um, attitude where it's like, oh, I couldn't possibly do that because it's not what I do, you know. And, uh,
2: right. I hate it because I, I hate when people limit themselves. Like I hate when people say like, oh, I can't, I can't draw or I can't write or some it's like you're to you with that attitude. You're right. You can't. You've already stopped yourself. You've already prevented. You've already created a wall. Mm-hmm. And I, and I'm not judging these folks. I have negative self talk all the time,
1: mm-hmm.
2: but I would encourage people live a little openly. The, um, there's all kinds of novelty that will happen to you when you allow novel things into your, into your sphere,
1: mm-hmm.
2: like trying a different type of food or like smiling more often. You know, these, are, these are wild concepts. Mm-hmm. And I have to remind myself to do these things. Uh, and I'm encouraging people to do that specifically with regard to Double Walker. If you've never checked out <clears throat> um, a digital book before, maybe this is the first time. Maybe it'll be the last time. Maybe you'll spend a moment with it and decide like, man, I, I really can't read it this way, mm-hmm. but I encourage you to give it a shot. And uh, it would be an honor uh, for us to be your,
3: your first effort. at it. Absolutely. Greatly appreciated.
0: Okay. Before I start moving on to the fun questions, because I'm slowly wrapping this up um, because, you know, I read double Walker on comiXology, you know, I really love it because to me, you know, it drew me into the story. Um, the dialogue felt natural, um, and like I said again, you know, you know, it, it just kept pu- the story just kept pulling me in more and more. And Michael, like you said, it was a page turner. It, 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 you know, for me, it really was. And then Noah, you know, like I said, I love your art style. It was hauntingly beautiful. Um, I love your use of colors it was, and for me like i said i'm not an artist and and i hope i'm not offending you but the colors were just right it was very subtle you know um it, you know like i said it, again it's just hauntingly beautiful and visually stunning at the same time Thank and, you and so i love much. your play on the colors um it, you know i because you know it you know it, it's 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 a nice it's an, um, it's a different contrast from whatever comics I'm reading in print nowadays, because it's always bright and so forth. And sometimes I do like that, but for this story, it was perfect. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. You know, I only used four colors throughout
3: the whole book. So um, I played with, you know, layering and things like that, but uh, I tried to, to stay true to that old, you know, four color printing look and uh, you know, you, layer magenta over yellow to create a red, you know, kind of thing. And, um, that was just so fun to play with. And I knew, I knew my, uh, my constraints on every page and I was like, how, do, how can I make this work? You know? So, but I really appreciate you saying that. Thank you. Oh,
0: you're welcome. I'm sorry, Michael, uh, were you going to add something? Sorry, Michael.
3: Oh, I was
2: just going to say, I, I too, like we knew that this was going to be full color from the very beginning mm-hmm. Um, and we we knew that uh, this was going to be Noah's first time coloring something of this length and magnitude. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so I, I had a similar reaction to what I would hope the readers' reaction is when they see this, which is <clears throat> that it's it's dynamic. It's it is it, it's subtle and understated, uh, but so perfectly executed. And it to to me it makes me feel like oh, this is an overcast day always in the story. Always. There's, there's cl- big, heavy, ominous clouds that are just waiting to drop rain on you. Yes. And then in the nighttime, uh, in bar sequences, it's that eerie, uh, like, what is that? A 10-watt light bulb to light mm-hmm. this whole place. And so there's long shadows cast over everything. Perfect for horror. Perfect for this type of horror that leans into the unspoken and the unseen and uh, the creepy things that, that you can't quite make out. Yes. Uh, Noah just nailed it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Any like, it's, it's such a, it's so cool to be able to like check out a, a book and to just be able to be a fan of it. Yes. You know, I can just look at Noah's art and just be a fan. You know, like I, if my name wasn't on this book, I, I would be like, well, it looks awesome.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> let's see, let's see what it reads like. Um, so hopefully, we delivered the old one-two punch of giving uh, the story, uh, you know, a, a compelling plot, interesting characters, and of course, the most important ingredient of any comic: uh, it's a visual medium. Make sure that that art rocks. Make sure that it it's out of control. And I, I knew working with Noah, we got that half the battle is won. Mm-hmm. A lot of a lot of pressure. Make sure the story is cool, man.
0: All right, so I'm gonna start slowly wrapping up. Michael, thank you very much. Okay, fun question. So, you know, fun question. Have you guys been to Hawaii? I've I never, never been. To-
2: Yeah. Neither of us have been to Hawaii. I've got friends who are from Hawaii and they, they've often said, uh, Michael, you should go to Hawaii. And I've said, yes, I should. Uh, but I just haven't, haven't yet. Uh, maybe there will be a cool comic convention or something out there that will be a good excuse for Noah and I to, to go out there. We'll we'll say that we're going out there for work and then we'll just, um, we'll go to that bar that you mentioned and hear about um, Hawaiian
3: folklore and drink
0: one of those local bars. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah,
3: That's, that's enough of a reason to go for me. I want to hear about that folklore. That sounds awesome.
2: Yeah. I I've, I've always been interested in Hawaii. Like Hawaii is especially where it's like part of the United States. I only I've, I can say I've been to every single state except for Alaska and Hawaii, mm-hmm. and I, I think I'm more inclined to probably get to Hawaii. Yes, I think I'll get to Hawaii and then maybe get to Alaska mm-hmm. at some point. But yeah, I, I'm I'm ready to go. You let me know when there's a convention, and uh, we'll we'll make it tax deductible. Mm-hmm. We'll get out there. Well, I'm
0: going we'll to let you guys know they they're actually there are oh michael oh there you go okay. i'm still here sorry about that no yeah, no problem okay but yeah so there are four conventions in hawaii two of them are on oahu one's in maui and one is on the big island but yeah i don't crazy. see any reason why we can't hit all four uh, <laughs> yeah. we'll just we'll make it a long stay <laughs> all right um Let's see, again, um, can you guys promote your um, social um, media platforms?
2: Yeah, you can find uh, my partner and my favorite artist in the comics game, Noah Bailey. Uh, you'll find him on Instagram at Boyish Death Tribe and on Twitter at Boyish Death. And you can find me on both of those same platforms at Michael W. Conrad. Um, Noah you gotta go check out his social media. He's got a bunch of incredible stuff outside of the, the comics that you're able to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got a variety of prints and other mini comics posters that he has worked on. He's done stuff for like stranger things and Halloween and, mm-hmm. and all these great horror films. Uh, it's if you're into that kind of thing, I mean, I'm I'm hoping you are, and I'm hoping you go, Go check out um, at boyish death tribe over there on Instagram. And I'm okay too. You can check me out too. Right, Noah, they should check me
3: out. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. Michael's not mentioning his, his solo comics that he's done, which are actually fantastic. I mean, thank you, Noah. No, seriously. (laughs) He's, he's, he's an incredible artist on his own and he doesn't even need me. So uh, I'm, I'm I'm blessed to be working with this guy. He's so talented. Oh, oh, stop. It's true. I mean that he's got a, he's got a short coming out in a new uh, horror anthology that he drew by himself. And he showed me the the pages for it. And I, I was blown away. I almost didn't believe that he did them. I was like, (laughs) get the hell out of here. It's, it's incredible. He's fantastic. Thank you, Noah.
2: See how much we like each other.
3: Yay. I love these two. Yeah. <laughs> Any last words to our listeners? Um, thank you so much. It's been so, it's been so great talking to you, and I hope that we get to talk more. Um, you 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 know so much about film and comics and TV shows. It was a really good time, and thank you for having us. It was, I really appreciate it.
2: Yeah, Jason. Thank you so much. It's really it's been an honor to be on the show. Um, super cool to get to know you. Hopefully we, this will be the first of many conversations and hopefully, like I'm, I'm not even kidding when I say I would love to go to Hawaii, go do a convention, get together and, and, and stuff like that. Uh, To people listening at home, I think a lot of people tune into, uh, podcasts, um, about comics and interviewing comics creators because they're interested in doing doing it themselves, mm-hmm. and I I would really encourage you to to do so. And the way that you do it is you find you find somebody uh, that is a friend and you work with them really closely because it's very hard to make comics and uh, there is nothing. There's nothing more valuable than having somebody along in that struggle with you. Um, And so that's, that's part of why like Noah and I are playing around, but we legitimately have become like brothers in the process of creating these things. Uh, And it's because nothing was for certain. We're figuring it out as we go. Uh, Everything's been little baby steps and it's, you know, it's getting a little bit better every day. Mm -hmm. Um, But there was a time when, um, none of this was possible. It seemed like it would never happen. We were just going to like make a thing and make twenty copies of it and hand them to our friends and family and and see what they thought so if you 're thinking about doing something don 't wait for somebody to give you permission don 't say like oh, if i 'm not writing batman i 'm not writing go make the thing. Mm-hmm. Find somebody who's willing to go on that ride with you. Motivate them. They'll motivate you back, and you'll get there. And, and it's a beautiful, beautiful journey. And this goes beyond comics. This goes to anything in life. If you wish to do something, uh, quit wishing. Go, mm-hmm. go
3: get it done. We believe in you.
0: Noah, do you want to add anything else?
3: Um, you know, actually like when going back to the colors in this book, I, I was, you know, I was kind of worried the whole time I was drawing it. I was like worried about how I would, how, how I would approach the colors and, um, at a certain point, I just kind of real, I thought of the four color method. And I said to my and I thought, you know, okay, what what's Michael going to say about this? What's the publisher going to say about this? Are they going to be upset that it's just four colors? You know, I can't really do that. Mm -hmm. And um, that's probably the biggest thing for me as an artist is kind of battling against my own brain telling me you can't do that because it's not traditional, you know, you can't do that because it's not going to be what, what people expect to see, you know? And so, yeah, that's always going to be my advice to, to, um, to artists is to, to never allow that to, to trap you, you know, and do whatever you want to do at any moment, you know? And, uh, yeah, yeah. And I'm, and I'm still battling with it, you know, cause I, I really want to draw in pencil all the time and do watercolors and get wild with it, you know, grab some, um, oil pastels and make scratches and stuff, you know? And, uh, I'm gonna do that. So, so I, I hope that other people will find a, find ways to to let themselves be free in that way too. You know,
0: mm-hmm. well, Michael and Noah, thank you very much for those closing words. Thank you very much for encouraging our listeners to, you know, break through their own barriers to do what, whether it's either to make comics, to go into a career field that they keep saying, no, I can't do it you know just basically it's just you know as you know it's just basically just go for it so,
3: yeah absolutely
0: yeah totally um
2: you know i don't know if that saying yolo i know people probably stopped saying that and that the reason that people stop saying yolo is because they realized like oh you you don't only live once you live uh, a multitude of times you're like caught in the you're in a loop of mm-hmm. of living all kinds of lives. I, I'm sure that's why people stop saying YOLO. It's not just battle. <laughs> <Yeah. Arnold. laughs> but let's pretend that this is our only chance. Mm-hmm. Let's just pretend. So strive to achieve your dreams. Mm-hmm. Be, kind, be kind to the people around you. Be supportive of other people in their pursuit. And, uh, and bless you. And bless you, Jason, for having us. This has been really a treat
0: absolutely thank you so much thank you very much guys you know so michael and noah you know i wish all the success you know for double walker it already sounds like it's a hit on comiXology so again to our listeners you know please check out this original graphic novel on comiXology um michael and noah mahalo thank you for your time you know for giving me the opportunity to interview you guys, thank you, thank you very much for your time. I know I said it was going to be an hour, and we've passed that. <laughs> but thank you very much.
2: You weren't uh, counting on me talking, man. I talk a lot.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. It, I, I I'll be honest with you, Michael. I I prefer, you know, creators to you know to, you know, talk, you know to talk instead of just giving short clip answers and then. You know, but it's just thank you, you know,
2: and then if you if you got to edit it down, that's fine, baby. No, we're all good.
0: No, we're just going to keep it like this. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> all right. Um, I also want to give a big mahalo to Pamela again for setting up this interview. So thank you very much, Pamela. Thank you very much. Yeah,
3: so, thank you, Pamela. Thank you, Pamela. Mm-hmm.
0: And thank you, Chip, too. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I also want to thank Drew, my co-host for Comics for Fun and Profit for putting this episode together. Drew is the guy who's going to do all the hard work behind the scenes. And if you are a new listener, please check out new episodes of Comics for Fun and Profit that comes out every Saturday. Until next time, guys, you know, thank you for your, you know, to you, the listeners, thank you very much for your time. Thank you for listening to this episode. Until next time, guys. Aloha. Aloha. Aloha.